0: of two boys a few weeks after Christmas they were arguing about whether or not to get dad a Christmas present and one of the boys said absolutely there is no question about it we are going to get dad something for Christmas and the younger son said why? what has he done for me lately? and the older boy said What are you talking about? He gave you life. He said, well, what has he done for me lately? Well, he's bought the clothes that you're wearing, everything that you own. He bought that for you. What has he done for me lately? And finally, the older brother said, he bought you a PS5 for Christmas. What more do you want? And the younger son said, it's the third week of January. What has he done for me lately? Uh, Kiddos, you guys are going to be opening some presents tomorrow, many of you. I hope that you won't be like the boys in that story. But parents, if come January 15th, you find that your little ones or grandkids, whoever they are, are just a little bit less thankful, let's be patient with them because the truth is, Most of us, if we're honest, are a lot more like those little boys than we might care to admit. We hear the good news of Christmas. You you hear the story of Jesus coming to this earth, being born of a virgin, of of shepherds in a field that hear of his birth and go to celebrate and and see the Christ child year, wise men following a star. You, You know the story. Many of you even know the the bigger, most important story that that story was pointing to, that Jesus came not just to be born in a manger so we could sing Christmas songs, but He came to die on a cross and rise from the dead. And yet, if you're honest, you can hear all of that and sometimes have that mindset, what has He done for me lately? The Bible actually answers that question. And the book of the Bible called the book of Hebrews. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the Bible shows us three things that Jesus is doing for His people even now. First of all, Jesus speaks to all who will listen. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In the olden days, the Old Testament scriptures, God spoke to his people through men's, men called prophets. They spoke God's word to God's people. But the Bible tells us that now, in these last days, in the days in which we live, God speaks to us primarily through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true and better prophet. A dear brother, sister, friend, that means really simply, that if you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. Jesus himself said, "No one, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you're with us this morning or this evening, and you're, you're, you're really not sure about this Jesus thing, maybe you've heard bits and pieces, I want to challenge you to go to the Word of God and learn who this Jesus is. Perhaps a great place to start for many of you might be in one of the four gospels that tell us the story of Jesus' life. A great place to start, I often recommend for people, is in the Gospel of Mark. There are four gospels that tell us of Jesus' life. Think of them like four camera angles at a football game, all showing you the same action but from different perspectives. And the Gospel of Mark is a great place to start to learn about Jesus. Because it's short and it's action-packed. So listen, if you're here and you don't know a lot about Jesus, but you're interested in learning more, I believe that there's somebody here, maybe the person that brought you, maybe somebody that's sitting near you who would love to sit down with you and read through the Gospel of Mark with you. Another thing that you might do to learn and how to hear from this Jesus Is to be involved in a church where you can hear God's word taught, like we try to do it here at PBC. Now, PBC is not a perfect church. I can guarantee you that. Maybe you're already sitting here and you're like, "It's obvious you guys aren't a perfect church," and you can tell us all the reasons why afterwards. Maybe we'll even send you a survey. You can tell us what you didn't like. You'll find things that aren't perfect about PBC, but let me tell you one thing that this church does really, really, really well: we talk about Jesus. We sing about Jesus, we teach about Jesus, we learn about Jesus, and we seek to follow Jesus. If you're here living in the area and you don't have a church home, I can't think of a better place for you than Pocosan Baptist Church where you could come and learn who Jesus is. He is the one who speaks to us. He he, he speaks to all who will listen. If you're visiting from out of town, we're so grateful that you're here. I would love to talk to you afterwards and get your information where you live and help point you to a gospel church that preaches God's word where you are. So you can be involved in a place where you hear the good news about Jesus. This morning, as we gathered with the church, I shared a a quote from a Christian named C.S. Lewis. He said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I wonder how many of you this evening might be looking at the Christmas story as if it's something moderately important. Something that it's interesting, maybe maybe it's traditional, it's worth kind of thinking about. Maybe I'll learn about it every time I watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special or whatever. But Jesus did not come to be of moderate importance. Either he is of no importance or he is the most important being in the universe. I would challenge you, you owe it to yourself and to those you love and perhaps the people that invited you here tonight to hear from yourself or for yourself who this Jesus is. He will speak to all who will listen. The second thing that Jesus does is he upholds all things everywhere. First part of verse 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's the kind of thing that would be said in ancient days when this letter was written. It's the kind of thing that would be said of the Roman emperors, radiant in glory and majesty, upholding their kingdom by the word of their power. Great kings say those sorts of things. But Jesus is a true and better King. He is the one that is holding everything together. Maybe for some of you, that's a frustrating reality because you look at your life and you say, it feels like my life is falling apart. Could it be, dear friend, that Jesus is allowing certain things in your life to crumble so that you might look to Him? Could it be that Jesus might be interested in some things that are bigger and better than your short-term happiness? Could it be that Jesus is like a surgeon who will at times inflict pain, not to harm you, but so that you might be healed? The Bible tells us that's exactly who Jesus is, He is the one that's upholding everything by the word of his power. And I believe it's no accident that you're here with us tonight. Could it be that God is using all of these things to invite you to himself? If Jesus really is this kind of king, a king that upholds everything with his word, then the Christmas story is that much more wondrous, isn't it? Because what we're saying, what the Bible is saying is that the one who upholds the universe is about to be held by a teenage mom in a stable. That the one who whispers and galaxies appear is going to be laid in a manger and wrapped in strips of cloth. This king is worthy of worship because of what he did. You hear that, and it really sinks in. You might might want to say, I want to follow this Jesus. I want to serve this King. But before you can serve King Jesus, you must be served by Him. And that's the third thing that Jesus is doing, even for us today. He's serving all who will trust Him. Listen to the second half of Hebrews 1, verse 3. After making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There's a couple of terms there might be helpful for us to understand a little bit. Sin, what's sin? Sin is is not the really bad things that we do. It's any act or thought or feeling of rebellion against God. And because God is holy, we need to be purified. We cannot, as sinful people, be in the presence of a holy God, but God made a way to purify His people. Throughout the whole Old Testament, He sent priests to sacrifice so that His people could be made pure, but none of those sacrifices were lasting. None of them offered lasting, permanent forgiveness until Jesus, the true and better priest, came to this earth and died on a cross as the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus did not come merely for us to have cute little Christmas stories and cute little Christmas cards. He came to die. The Bible teaches us that Jesus lived a life without sin. He had no need for his own sins to be purified. And yet Jesus died on a cross as if he were a sinner. Why do you do that? He died in your place so that if you would trust in him, you could be purified. So let me ask you, dear friend, have you trusted in this Jesus? And if you have, Christian, notice what the text says, Hebrews 1, 3, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know what Jesus is doing sitting down on a throne at the right hand of the Father in heaven? He's not taking a nap. That's what I like to do when I sit in my favorite chair. (laughs) It's not what Jesus is doing. You know what he's doing? He's praying for you. He's praying for you that you won't give up, that you'll keep believing, that you'll cling to his people, that you'll stay in his word, that you'll keep following him. So what has Jesus done for you lately? He speaks to you as a prophet. He rules over you as a king and he serves you as a priest. He is the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king. I don't know about you, but our family loves to watch all sorts of Christmas movies in the Christmas season, and it seems like all of those Christmas movies are filled with morals, right? Like, Home Alone, you've, you've got to love your family and not mistreat them. Home Alone 2, the, the pigeon lady, you've got to do good works on Christmas, right? On Elf, you've you got to have Christmas spirit uh, on the Christmas story. You don't want to shoot your eye out or anybody else's eye out. If you're watching The Grinch, you've got to be kind and and have Christmas spirit and be giving and and not be consumeristic. You know, all this moralism and all of these movies and they're great movies. They're fun to watch. But listen, the, the Christian story is not about good advice. It's about good news. It's not about what you have to do. It's about what God has done and is continuing to do for His people. So I plead with you tonight. Would you consider the claims of this Jesus? Would you spend time in His words so that you might get to know Him better? Would you commit to be with His people wherever you live so that you can learn more about Him? And would you follow Him as your King and Savior? That's my prayer for you. Would you pray with me?